I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Patricia Jaggernaut is an Emmy Award-winning and Canadian Award-winning television personality celebrated across North America as an exuberated storyteller of live television. With a career of more than 20 years as a professional television host and media heavyweight, Patricia hosts live events and is a brand ambassador, content creator, and social influencer. She's the CEO and creative director at PJ Glam Girl, a fashion glam boutique showcased on television and print across the globe. Patricia has been seen on E! News, NBC, CTV, CP24, and much, much more. So please welcome to the show, Patricia Jagernaut. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> Hi, I'm so excited for us to have this conversation. I am like, I'm actually overheating right now. I'm starting to sweat because I'm like, I love having deep conversations, but when especially women of color are open to talking about their healing journey and giving wisdom and tools, I, I just get super excited. So I'm just letting you know from now, I'm super pumped. My adrenaline is going. I'm ready for this conversation. Oh, I love it. Well, girl, you know, there's a cold front in Southern Ontario. If you're hot, go outside, get a little snow action. <laughs> Our first snowfall is here. You know, I can't resist selling the weather, right? So I got you. There'll be some moments of heat. There'll be some moments of cool down. Your girl might cry. Let's see what happens. But I really do believe it's going to be a powerful conversation. And by the way, I'm proud of you for carrying these conversations and sharing them with your beautiful viewers. Hey, everyone. Thank you. Or so listeners, so I should say, right? I'm like viewers. I'm so in like the TV world. The listeners. Hey, listeners. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So before we get to where things are presently, I love to start at the beginning. I love to get a glimpse of who you were before you became who you are. So I would love to know, Patricia, 
What were you like as a teenager and what were your aspirations? Oh, well, thank you for acknowledging baby PJ. That's what I always like to call her. (laughs) (laughs) The, The girl who had and still has so many dreams, wanted to be everything and wondered how I would do it, but knew that I could. So, you know, I'll take you back to my younger days, born in a single parent home to a teenage mom, you know, of mixed race as well. I'm, I'm brown and black, so I'm half Guyanese, West Indian, half Jamaican, Caribbean. Wow. And uh, that makes me, yeah, that makes my mix uh, Dougla or Dougla. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I do, of course, identify as a Canadian through and through, but I am a black woman. I am a Caribbean woman. I am a mixed race woman. And I feel like, you know, my mom always showed me never put yourself in a box and by far lead with being Patricia more than anything else. And that was the beauty of growing up in this gorgeous nation, this this blessed nation of Canada, where you look to your left, there's someone who doesn't look like you. You look to your right, there's someone else that doesn't look like you. But you never saw that first, you know? You just saw people for who they were, from energy, from love, from their kindness, and through their smile. And I was always a happy-go-lucky little baby, you know? I was always someone who was vivacious for life, and I, I wanted to be an adult before I truly was, but that didn't mean that uh, my childhood was lost. My mom had me involved in everything. I was busy even outside of the five day a week grind. You know, you go to school, you do your thing, but I was always doing skating or arts and crafts or swimming. My mom had me involved in community and that was it. You know, we grew up in community housing and it was important for my mom, especially raising a single child as a single mom as a young mom to a young baby PJ that I was involved in community and I think that that was a tool she instilled in me from youth that I carry through today because community to me still means everything and you really are when you're celebrated by community man that uplifting energy can really make you oh you know surpass the peak of the mountain and I don't like that saying the sky is the limit because I I believe there's way beyond the sky you have the galaxy which is endless so Mm. there are no limits in life and my mom instilled that in me when I was young you know and going to high school I was really involved in sports and extracurricular and I really loved class but I loved creative I loved uh, band class I loved art class I loved drama And in fact, I loved school so much. I was involved in so many of the athletics. Uh, You know, I was kind of pinged as a tomboy (laughs) in many ways. But, (laughs) you know, I just wanted to do everything. Why? Why set limits for ourselves? You know, society so easily does that. And the one thing I'll say, big up to Sarah Jagannath, my mom, because she set zero limits where, you know, there were many limitations due to culture, religion. When she was growing up, she really removed all of that from my childhood and showed me that, again, there are no limits, just those that you set and set none because the world is your oyster. You know what I mean? So baby PJ, young PJ, <laughs> even today, <laughs> I still carry that youthful energy and that's not going to go away no matter what happens. So yeah, girl. Wow. You know, this is the beauty in hearing someone else's story. You know, sometimes we see people, whether it be online or on TV or whatever, and based on just our perception of them in that moment, we create our own stories of what we believe their life is like. So when I have women like you that come on the show and you're so transparent about your upbringing and your background and like just hearing your story, there's so many points in there that I can completely resonate with that makes me feel more connected to you where, you know, you feel more like a human than 
you know, someone that is like unreachable or someone that we, you know, can't interact with or, or be. I think the yeah. beauty in hearing your stories, especially for the women who are, you know, we have listeners in, in countries where that like, it blows my mind that, you know, they're listening to the show, but even giving women like that hope, like, okay, so let, let's, I don't want to say dissect, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you just explain about your childhood, but like, like having a mom who instilled in you that there's no limits in life. I think that is such a beautiful affirmation to instill in your kids from their young. Everyone's yeah. born into a particular set of circumstances and our values are defined by what we experience and our upbringing, our parents, our environments, the the things that are around us, we absorb that. So to be able to hear that from such a young age is so beautiful because I didn't learn that until maybe my late thirties from my mentor. Wow. Who says the only wow. Limit, yeah. He's <laughs> right. Late. <laughs> so he, Girl. he says the only limits in life are those we impose on ourselves. And it took right. me a long time to understand that. So to have a parent figure instill that in you from such a young age is such a beautiful thing that helps like shape your paradigm, shape your, you know, your habits and, and your beliefs. That is so beautiful. So yes, shout out to your mom for that. Oh, thank you. No, she, you know what? Parents, it's the hardest job in the world. I, I hope one day to be so blessed to be a parent as well. And, you know, you're a sponge when you're that young. You know nothing. You come mm-hmm. onto this earth with what tools? How to cry, how to <laughs> come, mm-hmm. sort of communicate, how to breathe, how to see, if so lucky, you know, and you, you're a sponge. You're so impressionable when you're younger. And again, yeah, shout out to my mom who from the beginning was like, I am going to set this little baby girl up to have a life and to have these things that I wanted for myself. But unfortunately, due to culture and religion and different upbringing, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sending blame. This is not blame at all. This is just circumstantial. And mm-hmm. so sometimes your environment doesn't call for it. But my mom was so smart enough at 16, 17 and 18 to be like, oh, no, baby, no, we're setting you up for a life that you are more than deserving of and a life that, you know, not that she's living through me. But she saw the things that were null and void in her life, and she wanted to pour those into me. So, yeah, shout out to mm-hmm. Mama Jagannath. Yeah, like I'm, I'm getting goosebumps right now because I'm like, I can so oh. relate to your mom. <laughs> because, oh, oh I, thank like, you. <laughs> I had my first child at 17, and oh, I get wow. it. You're a teen mom too. Yes, teen mom as well. And I'm going to say, just like you, my my kids are a mix of black and brown. Nice. (laughs) So there's so many similarities. (laughs) I grew up in community housing too, so I get it. Um, Okay, twin. Okay. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But it's just, you know, hearing your journey from such a young age. And like you said, having a mom that at that age said, you know what? I want to create a better tomorrow through my child. I want to have this impact through my child and I want to steer my child in the right direction to understand that there are no limits. So it's beautiful that even, you know, now you are showing us and being an example of that. So I would love if you could just give us a Coles Notes version of how you got to where you are today. Oh, Lord, Coles Notes version (laughs) of uh, the biggest chapter? (laughs) (laughs) 
I know it's hard to sum up our life in a few minutes. <laughs> right? It is really hard, but you know, hey, you know what? Uh, maybe I'm prepared for a TED Talk. Never know. So I need to learn how to be like, okay, bring it in. Bring it in, girl. Bring it yes. in. But you know what? On Honestly, the Cole's Note version goes something like this. Okay. So here we are. We're growing up in community housing. Never, ever did my mom once make me feel like I was any different than any of those who weren't growing up in community housing. In fact, in so many ways, I was so proud to grow up in community housing because of mm. that very thing, community. Mm. I knew friends from the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way up to the 11th floor. We had 11 floors, lived in Scarborough. Shout out to Scarborough. Shout out to WCCI, Winston Churchill, Bulldogs, who are showing up in my <laughs> DMs and showing up in the comment section, giving love and light and pride and a little bulldog our roof because we know how we were made. We know we're Scarborough proud, but we're Scarborough strong. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. even that, you know, for many of your international uh, listeners, growing up in a, in a suburb like Scarborough is what many would ping as, you know, kind of impoverished, uh, underprivileged, and the ghetto mm -hmm. <laughs> in many ways, right? You're not really given a lot of, you're not really given a lot of resources and not a lot of resources available to you. But again, in this instance, I believe it is how you make it. What is your circumstance should not define who you become or who you are. My mom reached out beyond uh, Metro housing. My mom went into, you know, the city community as well. There are so many ways because I want to be a figure skater when I was younger, right? But we know that hockey, figure skating, these are very expensive extracurriculars, very expensive mm -hmm. sports. You think a teen mom growing up a single child in housing could afford, uh, you know, uh, to get some really expensive, uh, you know, blades and a whole uniform and coaching? That's an expensive sport, but mm -hmm. she never once said to me I couldn't do it. There were other ways that we found through, you know, kind of backdoor ways. You know, we're survivors, so you figure mm -hmm. it, you always figure it out. Um, and I ended up doing a lot of um, parks and recreation, community programming, volunteering, and turning that my skill set into, okay, perhaps I didn't become that, uh, you know, I didn't end up becoming that figure skater, but I ended up taking those tools and I became a figure skating and skating instructor. So I was wow. able to then teach, yeah, the younger generation, my same generation, even the older generation of new Canadians who had never seen snow and never didn't even know what skating was. I was teaching them all of the things that, okay, perhaps I wasn't going to be a figure skater, but I knew what it was like to be out on that open ice. So that was one of the pivotal times in my life, you know, kind of transitioning from, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z, but we can't truly afford it. So how can I still, uh, you know, have that in my life and not create a void? Okay, I wanted to be a basketball player. So I really involved myself in sports at WCCI at Winston Churchill. And, you know, I was constantly shooting hoops. I was uh, in, the, in the girls' basketball team from grade nine all the way to back then, grade 13. I know we don't have it anymore. I know that's telling a baby. <laughs> Too bad, so sad. I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I got to say, my mom involving me in all of those extracurriculars really kind of showed me that, hey, Patty, she called me Patty. She's like, you know, hey, Patty, you can really choose what it is you love if you fully immerse yourself into every field. And that's what I continued to do all the way up to grade 13, where I accelerated through high school. At the end, I didn't know what to do. But again, circumstantial, you know, we didn't have all the funds, we didn't have all the money. Um, I couldn't afford to go to post-secondary, post-secondary rather, lickety split. Uh, mm. You know, that's either college or university in Canada. I couldn't do that. We couldn't afford mm -hmm. it. 
So mm-hmm. cooperative education. I sought out my guidance counselor, shout out to Miss Ashby, and I sought her out and she taught me. She was like, hey, why don't you go? And since you already did grade 13, you accelerated through school, had a great average and everything, but I was a little bit confused. You know, I always call high school your first career. You're kind of figuring it out. Even schooling overall, it's your first career. You're figuring it all out and you're really Mm -hmm. finding your niche, right? But what was that niche? I wanted to be a community guidance counselor as well because I was so inspired by my guidance counselor. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a lawyer so I could help young moms and children, uh, you know, uh, products of like, you know, of our, of our environment to have those tools to also accelerate through like I did, like I was given from my mom. But I also want to be a police officer. Oh, girl, I want to do everything. How can we get do everything? <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> There's not enough time. <laughs> but honestly, I was able to take all of those tools and I went into the cooperative education program. So yes, I was in school an extra year. And my school, my community did not make me feel like, oh, you're holding yourself back. What they did was they're like, you're actually getting free internships. So they placed me into three separate fields. I was able to dibble dabble in the legal field, both in corporate and in family. I turned that into a job. I turned that into a receptionist at the criminal law firm. And then I was able to also speak one-on-one with clients on the family law firm side. You know, that the legalities of it all. Did I really want to be a lawyer? You know, your girl did not have 100K to go to legal school. I did not have that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But this was a way for me to dibble dabble, kind of get a taste test into this industry could I sustain? Is this something that I wanted to do? Was there longevity in this for me? And that was a firm NO. And I'm so grateful to cooperative education that I was able to have that case test. So I didn't have to then go to school and be like, oops, wrong choice. Let me start over. You know what I mean? I didn't have the mm-hmm. funds to do that. I wasn't privileged enough to, to be able to make that choice. But in the choice that I was given, boy, did I find that I, in fact, did have my own privilege in that I was learning before I was fully immersing in myself into these fields. And I was able to pick what I loved. And from turning an internship into a job, learning then that I loved people and wanted to speak on behalf of people, wanted to advocate for people, wanted to tell other people's stories, I think this is where something sparked in me. And then... Mm-hmm. You know, I still wanted to have that post-secondary education because a guidance counselor and a mentor of mine said to me, education is something no one can take away from you. They can say to you, oh, you never went to school, so you're not qualified. But if you do go to school, they can't hold that over your head. Right, girl? So I was like, all right, how do I get myself to school? Still can't afford it. <laughs> I still have a job, still can't afford it. That's just, that's just the reality of it, right? You, you, mm-hmm. We all can't afford many things. And Some of those big things are important things like education. Not being able to afford education should not be a conversation we're still having in 2022 and 2023. All children, all people should have the tool of education. In my opinion, if I could, if I was prime minister, I'd be like, free education for everyone. Hey, vote for me. (laughs) (laughs) This shapes a better world. This is just facts, right? Tried and true. This is what it is. And I was able to take all of those tools. I know that you said Cole's notes. I know I'm probably running my director saying rap. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) But I was able to take those tools and I was able to then 
turn the, uh, you know, the cooperative education into an internship, the internship into a job, a job into the moment of, uh, you know, recognizing what it is I wanted to do. And then we can talk pageants because that's truly where I found myself on the stage. And listen, it wasn't a natural thing for me. I was a tomboy. As I said, I love sports. I love being in the athletics. I really even, I want to shoot hoops. I wanted to play ball. You know, that was my thing. Pageants didn't seem aligned for a person like me, for a girl like me. You're a tomboy. But guess what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a tomboy, what are you talking about? Go up there in a dress? I'm not doing that. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm a gla- meanwhile, I'm a glam girl now, right? I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> So it's one day, it's a snowstorm, we're in Scarborough, you know, every Saturday, we, mom and I go out, we do our groceries, and there is this huge windstorm, we go into this West Indian bakery, and all of the pamphlets, you know, all of the advertising of the newspapers and stuff are in that front door, in that corridor, the wind snowstorm comes through, blows up all of the stuff, all the debris flying everywhere, I'm like, oh no, mom, we have to get everything. So we run about, we're trying to pick up all the different debris that's flying everywhere, you know, because it's litter. I didn't want to do that. So I pick up a couple and I end up putting it all back. But one stays in my hand and it's the entry form for the Miss Guyana Canada pageant. My mom says, oh, what's that? We look at it. I'm like, pageant, <laughs> what's this? I look down and I say, oh, prize money, prize money. I could win 2K? If I win this crown, if I take this prize, if I become the queen of Miss Guyana Canada pageant, mom, this would be perfect. I could pay by myself for my post-secondary. I could go to college. You know what I mean? I could do mm-hmm. something with this. I could, I can help to invest in my post-secondary, in my, as I call it, my first career. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That college university. And my mom was like, I mean, I think you could do it. There isn't anything you can't do. I think we should just at least fill out the entry form. Let's see. You never know what could happen. So I was like, ah, I bring it home. I'm like, this is not for me, but I don't throw it away. Hey, I keep the form. And I stay fixated on the fact that if I win this pageant, I could pay myself without my mom having to lean here or lean there or dip into our savings for my post-secondary. So I apply. I apply. And they accept my application. And I go in. Yes, and I'm figuring it all out, and I'm like, I don't think this is for me, but I'm going to try. I end up loving it because, again, I found community in the pageant world. The Miss Guyana Canada pageant, to this day, I still speak to some of those organizers. I still, to this day, they're some of my number one supporters, the beautiful family. Shout out to the Chance family. They are such big advocators in my life and such great grand supporters, like a second family. Mm -hmm. And, you know... I found my confidence on that stage. I found that strangers turned into friends that night. And, you know, bear in mind, I didn't win the crown. I came second, but something sparked in me that day. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I found myself on that stage. Everything quieted down. The audience was tapped in and they were listening to what I had to say. This was my moment, as our Oprah says, the aha moment. I understood what that meant in that moment. And at that point, girl, I was soaring in a direction I never even knew was calling me. A public speaking, you know, platform where I was like, I'm going to keep doing this. Now, fast forward 11 pageants later, multiple second, you know, second place, no queen titles. But girl, who's the queen today, huh? Who's the queen today? Tell me, who's the queen? (laughs) Tell them, tell them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's just, it's just so fun.
funny what life hands you, right? This is why I say when life hands you an experience, allow for that experience to step into your life. Give it a little try. You just never know where it could take you. Imagine if I was like, ah, Bundis, what is this pageant? I'm not mm-hmm. doing this. How would I have ever known what it would be like to find myself with the light on, on that stage, audience quieted down, and everyone really taking in that moment? I would have never actually truly, really known what that moment was like. That was my moment. That was such a pivotal time, you know? So embrace the moments as they're handed to you because you just never know what's behind that door. What's next, right? Right. And after, I, I, so, okay. So was the pageants during or before you got into media? Oh, this was way before. This was okay. before. Okay. So for the last what, 11 and a half years, you were in media, correct? Well, 11 and a half years at said channel, but I've been in media doing uh, commercial acting, um, event hosting, international hosting. In fact, I won the 2007 Emmy Award. I was a collective Emmy with the um, Pyman Studios gang. Shout out to Pyman Studios here in Mississauga. Nice. No, lo- no longer, but we won the Emmy for Best Interactive International Digital Channel. Uh, this would make a 21-year 20, career now Wow! In television. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Don't okay. check don't check my age. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I still have to like count the, the years to figure out how old I am sometimes. I'm like, am I 43? What am I going on for? I, I don't know. I, I lost count. <laughs> I get it. It doesn't matter. It, it's the it's in how you live your life, right? And it's exactly. it's, in, it's in your energy, it's in uh, it's in your karma, it's how you treat people. Uh I think that the your youth your youth is, in my opinion, not defined by a digit. So you go girl. Right. Thank you. So, okay. So let's speak to your time in media and how that impacted your mental health. Perfect. So listen, I was somebody who, once I found that next chapter, Patricia on stage, I was like, oh, something just woke up inside of me. Let's go, baby. Let's go. What do we do now? (laughs) <laughs> I ain't winning any crown, so what do we do now? <laughs> so I'm finding myself, you know, I'm becoming more confident. I'm learning that speaking is my passion. Speaking is my strength. Telling stories is impactful. And I knew that because of the sort of gathering of people, of strangers, after, you know, every pageant that would come around me. Listen, I had my my cheering squad in the audience, but it was the cheering squad and some that would surround me after these pageants. Be like, first of all, girl, you were robbed. Second of all, girl, you are a queen. And third of all, wow, <laughs> you are just so inspiring. So you know, I say that with positive ego. Like, I'm not here to say, but do you know who I am? I'm just like they were bigging me up. So I say, big up yourself. You know, it's a mm-hmm. big thing. You got to cheerlead yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't expect the world to cheerlead you if you're not cheering for yourself. You are your number one cheerleader. And I learned that by being on that stage. And, you know, some people look at pageantry and they're like, what is that? You don't realize what you learn. You don't realize the strength in being alone on that stage and what that truly is like. And so when that spark really ignited in me, I was like, okay, same thing from, you know, what my mom taught me. I could do anything. So let's go. What are we doing next? Commercial acting. Let's get an agent. Let's do modeling. Let's test it all. Where will I fall? What will I like? Let's just kind of throw myself into it all and see where I land. I loved modeling, but I found that I wasn't using my voice enough. So I was like, 
this is good, but how can I do this by also using my voice? I was like, mm -hmm. okay, commercial acting. But I was like, okay, but that's just it though. It's acting. I'm not being me. I'm showing up and I'm a character. I'm not being Patricia. So I do love this because I'm now using my voice. I'm booking gigs, but I'm like, where am I? I'm still getting lost in character. I want to find where PJ fits in all of this. I was doing background work. I was building connections. And then I started doing live event hosting. And here's where I was like, okay, I'm standing up for, uh, you know, a certain topic. I'm standing up for a certain theme, but I'm able to tell my story. Now, you know, I'm, I'm doing this for a couple, a few years now. Now I'm able to share my experiences and tell my story to a crowd that is impressionable. So I'm going into the schools. I'm public speaking in schools. You know, I'm speaking to the youth. I wanted this when I was growing up. We didn't have a lot of people coming to the schools that looked like us. I didn't have a lot of people on television that looked like us. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of people here in Canada that were that had a, a, a mouthpiece, a vocal piece, or a platform to share with those like you and I in our community. So I was like, I, okay, I need to be that person that was mm -hmm. void in our lives. So I thought that this was important for me. I had to find a space where I could not be a character, also be heard, but be the Patricia and present myself. So I started going out for hosting gigs. And one small hosting gig led to a medium hosting gig. A medium hosting gig led to a large hosting gig. And this then led me to working with Mattel and the Hot Wheels family. This is like early YouTube where they were launching. They're like, oh, do you know this thing called YouTube? Well, it's kind of new. And <laughs> we're launching it like, digital space oh my god i feel like a dinosaur we're, we're launching this digital platform where we want to um go into community we want to have winners who are passionate about racing who love the hot wheels you know uh brand and have grown up with hot wheels in their families and we want to take a host coast to coast to coast and even coast to coast to the u.s but also through canada and bring them that racing experience and we wanted to be used. So I applied, I was doing, you know, a lot of brand ambassadorship, working for a lot of brands at this point. And I found this gig through, uh, you know, live event hosting and brand ambassadorship. And this was the gig, my goodness. And girl, I said yes, I said yes to everything, even volunteering, even unpaid gigs. Yes was, I should have just changed myself to Patricia Yes Jagernock, because that was my name <laughs> at one point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to say yes. You just, you just never know who you're gonna meet. You never know where that would lead and why why are we out here saying no yes is the name of the game you know of course within reason um mm -hmm. but yes was the name of the game and working with hot wheels led me to doing a giveaway at cp24 breakfast so i end up in the iconic parking lot of 299 queen street west the hub of media in toronto many may have known it back in the day for much music and speakers corner you know this mm -hmm. is where the canadian hub of media was created this is where we all wanted to be i wanted to be a bj and girl let me tell you i tried one two three four five one hundred times i never got the gig <laughs> but i never stopped i just kept trying i was in and out of that building for so many auditions and it was no 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 it was just no all the time <laughs> until i said to myself okay i'm gonna put 299 queen on pause Sean limited you're gonna be on pause for a minute but i'm not stopping i'm still pursuing we're gonna go to youtube now we're gonna go to mattel we're gonna do this thing that job led me back to 299 Queen Chum Limited, 
I was like, are you kidding me? I'm going to be on CP24 breakfast. This is huge. This is like the number one breakfast show for our city, for the GTA. This is huge. And it's a coming to moment, a full circle moment. But I was like, but it's Mattel that showed me love. So I am here as a Mattel rep, as a Hot Wheels Live rep, and we are doing a family pack giveaway to the Honda Indy. We're doing it on CP24 breakfast. You know what, girl? At that point, I was like, I had tried so hard to get into the building. But again, I didn't throw it all the way to the wayside. It was still something that I said, in this life, I could perhaps attain. Mm -hmm. And then I said, you know what? I'm just going to go out there. We're live. I'm going to do my thing. And I'm just going to leave it to God. Let go and let God. And there was such a magic in that moment, in the letting go in that moment and just truly showing up to do what I was asked to do. At the end of my segment, this angel runs out from the building towards me in the parking lot and says, excuse me, excuse me, you can't leave. I need to know who you are. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I got to get going. You know, I'm, I'm just with Hot Wheels, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, I know. I work at TV24. I watched your entire segment. And there's something very special about you. Please take my card. Be in touch. I don't know if there's a space for you at CP24. I don't know if there's something that we can maybe work on, but we should ha start a conversation. Mm -hmm. I was, I was frozen. I was like, what? <laughs> oh my goodness. Completely full circle. I, I don't even remember. It's such a blur in that moment. I remember I said yes, but then I remember losing his information, his contact information. I was like, oh God, what wow. did I do? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I, and I, end, I ended up refinding it when the time was right. I reached out and then I just let go. I just kept going. And then what happened next changed my life. So what happened next? We were in contact back and forth, back and forth. This is the, um, this is the, the hiring director, the, the man in charge of all the production and hiring of talent at CP24. He says to me, listen, you don't have a news background. You have a great and stellar hosting background. You know, we already have all the host jobs allotted for in CB24 Breakfast. I got to find a way to bring your positivity into the cycle of news. The viewers need uplifting energy. In 30 minutes of news, we have a weather segment. It comes up two times every 30 minutes, four times every hour. Do you have any experience in weather? And I said, uh, no. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you mean like uh, meteorology? Mm, nope, uh, I've never done that. I love weather. I love when it's sunny. I love when it snows. I love when it rains. I love when uh, the leaves are falling and changing. But <laughs> as for an expertise, no, I've never, I've never gone to school for that. Um, but I did go to Seneca College, broadcast journalism. Uh, you know, high honors graduate. <clears throat> what about that? And he was like, okay, yes, good. I'm really happy you have your education because there are a couple other candidates who don't have their post secondary and. Um, I would really like to consider you for an opportunity and I'll train you. We'll train you here at the CP24 family, perhaps to do weather. How does that sound? It's a for now situation. We can grow this into something bigger, but how does that sound? And I was like, it sounds like I'm in. And it sounds like it's a Y-E-S. I am at 299 Queen. The dream came true. Mm. I couldn't believe it. That was the moment. That took so many years to come to that moment, but that was the moment, girl. I made it. I arrived. <laughs>
my God. <laughs> so <laughs> I laugh because part of what I'm saying that I have is like, we've never really mm-hmm. arrived. We're always on this journey. <laughs> and, you know, as I, I arrived in that chapter. You are so right. Because I'm still <laughs> arriving today. You are so right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. This is why I say, like, sometimes we forget that we're recording a podcast and the conversations just go like. So. I know. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. This is why I told you you should have had a director in my ear giving me the rap. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Okay, so actually, you you left off at a great point because you started at CP24. You know, this person uh, promised to to train you and bring you in as a part of the family, and yeah. you were there for eleven and a half years. And mm-hmm. you were, I guess, only guaranteed two days of work per week and then yes. filling in shifts. Yes. That's all it was from the beginning. And you know what? I told you, right? I told you what I was told. Don't worry. This will grow into something. We will work it out. We will figure it out. We'll figure it out. But of course, I'm like, well, I'm in, right? So I'm not going to say, are you kidding me? There was no such thing as mm-hmm. no at this moment. This is it came to this moment. This is where I've always wanted to be. So no matter what the circumstance, I didn't, at that moment, you're not caring what you're making. You don't care that it's below industry standard. You don't even know what industry standard is. Everything is frozen. You're just like, yes, when do I start? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So after that point, let's talk about how you, I guess, well, so for the last month, um, Mm your name has been featured on a lot of media about yeah. the uh, complaint that you filed with uh, Canadian Commission <laughs> against right. Bell Media. So let's talk about that because you worked for them for 11 and a half years and you were only guaranteed yeah. two work days a week and then you're on call all the time. Like obviously that affected your mental health. You had a breakdown on camera. So let, let's talk yeah. about that. Absolutely. Of course. I mean, this is a pivotal time, right? You know, this is the moment where I was like, it is time for me to speak up. Now is the time for me to share my story. And I know that this was going to be once again, a story of impact. It was going to be my story, but my life set me up to be strong enough to be Mm -hmm. able to share my story. But obviously I knew that at almost 12 years of being on this platform, I had more people listening I had more people watching. I had more people tapped in and tuned in. And this, you know what, this was going to make a great impact. What was that impact going to be? Mm-hmm. This was the one time in my life where I had to think of Patricia. I had to remember that baby PJ who mm-hmm. against all odds and adversity still survived, still persevered, no matter the circumstance. I did not want to be defined by a corporation that said, we love you. CP24 is not CP24 without Patricia Jagernoff, quote, end quote. Another Mm -hmm. quote. You are the P in CP24, quote, end quote. Wow. When we think CP24, we think Patricia Jagernoff, quote, end quote. These are all of these incredibly powerful things I'm being told by managers and executives. Why still after 11 and a half years, am I only guaranteed two shifts a week? I'm not on contract. So this guarantee as a freelancer was 
yeah, it's an oddity. This, this doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm still free. I'm still freelancing. Okay. I'm still working two days a week. I'm still on call for all the other days. And obviously this is my career. I went to Seneca College for journalism broadcast. You think I'm not going to say yes to everything? This is what I poured into. This is what that little girl saved all of her dollar bills working and doing all these pageants for, getting that post-secondary education, immersing herself in broadcast, immersing herself in the education of this career. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm going to be like, oh, I only work two days a week in the number one market. I'm going to walk away. No, I held on hope, you know, and I'm filling in. I'm doing sometimes 18 day stretches. I'm not having one day off. I even at the early portion of my career didn't even know what it was like to file for, you know, overtime, double time and a half. I didn't know those things. And I wasn't going to ask the questions because I didn't want to ruffle any feathers. As a freelancer, your your worst worry is like the phone doesn't ring again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at this point when you are so valuable to the point where you should have been offered something because of that value where you are so beloved by the general mass and the public that you should become someone on paper and in contrast that is a permanent fixture in the family. I'm still holding on hope here, girl. I'm thinking to myself, it's okay. Year eight, it's okay. It's going to happen. Year nine, it's okay. It's going to happen. Year 10, 11, it's okay. It's so it's not going to happen. You know what really, what really was the, it was, a, there were already, already many nails in the coffin, but you know what that final nail was? What was it? Being told still at year 11 and a half that I'm a freelancer that, oh, now that we're unionized and Patricia, you agreed, you agreed to the union causes. Oh, by the way, I was in the ICU when uh, union negotiations were happening and I was fighting for my life. I didn't know what I had. I didn't know what was going on. Wow. I had multiple specialists trying to figure out what happened to Patricia. And the last thing I'm trying to do is worry about union negotiations as a mm-hmm. freelancer when I'm in the ICU and I'm in St. Joseph's Hospital for 10 days, finding my health, fighting for my life, and then having to be on a three-month unpaid medical leave trying to rebuild my strength so that I wow. can relive my dream once again. The last thing I'm thinking about is union negotiations. So when we fast forward to the final couple of weeks of my career at CP24, and I'm told, oh, yeah, <laughs> remember this? This is the union negotiation and the contract that you agreed on. You signed this. I was like, mm, as an individual, I did not sign uh, union negotiations. I did not sign this collective agreement. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It was collectively agreed upon my behalf that Patricia Jagernoff agreed to X, Y, Z. When I did not agree to those clauses, the only thing I asked my union was to please do not impede my livelihood. If I was not going to be offered a contract to please not stop or halt my outside activities so Mm -hmm. that I could still provide myself a way of life and a form of income. When you're making a $14 raise over 11 years, and you're starting below industry standard, I'm not even making hourly what the newest person is making walking into CP24, and I'm there almost 12 years. My hourly rate doesn't even equate to what the new new person is making per hour. My entire year to date 
doesn't even, it's like literally just above the line of poverty. I'm not even kidding. And please do not take these words and twist them. Not you, the listeners, because I know there'll be some people that'll be like, what does she know about poverty? Look at her life. I've seen her Instagram. I'm yeah, well, this is why we talked that. about perception and broke down into your story of, you know, your upbringing and where you've come from. Exactly. You know, people need to understand there's a story behind it all. And when you're making below livable wage, when you're guaranteed only two days a week, when the phone is not ringing every day, or maybe it is, every week is different. Not every week is the same. The only thing that was guaranteed were the shifts that nobody wanted. Saturdays and Sundays, afternoons and evenings, holidays, long weekends. I don't remember the last time I had a Thanksgiving until this past Thanksgiving. Oh, actually, I do. It was almost 12 years ago. I'm going to have my first Christmas in 12 years. Wow. I haven't had these moments. In fact, some of this was why, you know, to this point, I feel like I'm not even a mother yet. Mm. I really put my career first. I promised myself I wouldn't cry, but these are the things that re-trigger, you know, and they really affect my mental health. And I I can hear some of my ex-colleagues and still close friends saying to me, this is not everything. When Mm -hmm. you leave this place, you're going to look back and you're going to say, oh my gosh, why didn't I choose this instead of that? Yeah. Patty, please don't have any regrets. Become a mom if you want to be a mom. That's going to work out. Life is going to work out. It will work out for you. But the one thing you cannot become is a commodity. You cannot become just a tool, somebody that they lean on and call on whenever there's a hole to be filled. And you know how hard it was to walk away from what I call like my first baby? It's my first baby, you know, mm-hmm. my first baby. It was really hard to walk away from that. But I had to do it because enough was enough. When mm-hmm. I was told you agreed to this collective agreement and you have to ask permission for all activities that you partake in outside of your, your duties here at CB24, I was like, but that's so unfair to me. They said, well, there could be con- conflict of interest. I said, how is there conflict of interest if I'm not on the clock? This doesn't, right. The same rule doesn't apply to people who are not on camera or even it doesn't apply to people who are on camera, even other broadcasters if you're a freelancer. If you are a freelancer, you are free to land. Right, <laughs> right. <is> <laughs> understand I put a little Caribbean twist to it you know (laughs) (laughs) when you are a freelancer you are free to land and that Mm -hmm. is what I was doing I had the freedom to choose until I was told oh by the way no you don't and I was like huh since Mm. when and I was like well peace out peace out I'm done I'm done you're gonna now impede my livelihood you're going to stop me you're not even giving me a livable wage. I don't have a raise. My first raise was given to me at year five because I was told, oh, we forgot to give you a raise. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, girl. There's so, there's so much. There's just so undervalued. Much. Like, uh, I have goosebumps yeah. as you're talking. So, one, I'm so sorry you had to experience that. And especially for such a long period of time, I can hear the emotion in your voice when you talk about the things that you missed out on because of the things that you said yes to. And I always ask my clients to ask themselves this, when you're saying yes to something, what are you saying no to that is a priority to you? You know, sometimes we have to ask ourselves those questions and you explaining the whole scenario that you experienced as you're explaining, like explaining it. And maybe because 
I've had my own experiences with narcissistic abuse and studying toxic relationships, it sounded like a toxic relationship because there's the love bombing in the beginning, the future faking to get you to do what they want you to do, to get you to hold on to that hope, to stay there hoping and praying that they are going to do what they said they're going to do. And then you ending up giving up or you know, not going after things that are priority to you because they've now, you know, told you that this is going to happen and that is going to happen and it doesn't. And that affects you in so many different ways, not just your mental health, because it's like financial abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse. It's, it sounded like a very toxic relationship. If you ask me based on everything you just explained, if you removed the media platform and put a person, that would be like narcissistic abuse. You're so right. And unfortunately, yeah, I mean, it's something I guess you and I have in common, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. To hear it, to hear it that way, you are bang on. I was in a very toxic relationship. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because to think that you are only working two days a week and then you're on call for all the rest of the days. So you're giving up holidays, you're giving up free time, you're giving up making plans. You are giving up your life essentially to feed the need of another. Yeah. Narcissistic abuse and toxic relationships, it's all about feeding their need and what's a benefit to them. There's no exchange of value. You know, it's they they see the value in you, so they're going to extract that for their own needs, but they want to make sure that you don't see that value because of what you could do with it. Wow, to hear you actually say what I've been thinking is so powerful. Talk about giving me those goosebumps because you know what? Even even now in sharing my story, I still feel guilt. It's that Stockholm syndrome. Girl, like think of every ah. woman that is listening right now that has been in an abusive relationship. There's still a part of them that protects their abuser. There's still a part of them that feels guilty for their abuser. There's still a part of them that has love for their abuser despite the abuse. Wow. 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 You, you you hit me deep, girl. You hit me deep because I've not heard it like this before. You're so right. You hit it. Wow. You know, sometimes when we're in the situation, it's hard to view it from that lens. And a huge part of me wrapping my brain around a lot of trauma and toxic relationships is removing the title and just look at the behavior. So as you were explaining your story, I removed the title of the, the, the network or the platform and just looked at the behavior. Yeah. Thank you. There's so much power in what you're saying only because I'm it's it's going through my head, you know, all the comments that I've seen on social media, all the messages and it's listen, it's 90, let's give it 96% positive. But there's like a 3-4% that's like, "Where where where? What are you crying for? You were lucky to be there." And you know, people are not understanding outside of face value that this truly was a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had my own industry colleagues saying to me, I can't believe you were freelance for all those years. Why are you not hosting this, doing that? Why are they stopping you? Why are you always being the filler? Why, why, why? And I'm just like, it's okay. It'll get better. It's wow. You sound like a woman in an abusive relationship protecting their abuser because you have hope. You held out on that hope. And there's always going to be that small percentage of people that will victim shame because you know, yeah. you see anyone that's in a relationship and then you hear that they were being abused. You're like, well, why didn't she leave? Or why did she stay? Like people 
further yeah. victimize the victim rather than looking at the behavior of where the toxicity is coming from, not understanding the psychological effects or process of how it affects someone's nervous system. Like when you're in survival mode, it shuts down the part of your brain that's able to find solutions. So if we were to wow. look at the situation and again, remove the title and look at you were in a toxic relationship for an 11 and a half years, you weren't able to look at the solutions that you can probably see now because you were in it. Yeah, You were in survival mode. Your, your fight or flight, your nervous system was in fight or flight mode for that long. So what you were doing to survive and to maintain, you know, now that you're out of that situation, you can see things that you couldn't see before. Wow. I never knew I needed this the way I needed this today. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you. Oh my goodness. Wow. Like I've gone deep in some conversations, but I have not gone this deep and I am not afraid to, you know, I want, I'm, I'm seeking a therapist, like a really, really trusted space. And I'm not mm -hmm. afraid of that, but it is a very, it's a, it's a, it's a space of vulnerability and I'm really open to that. I'm not a yeah, girl. I know at the, at the beginning of the podcast or even our like pre-interview, you're like, you know, it's kind of like therapy a little bit. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> Are you available? Are you available for a session? <laughs> I do mindset coaching sessions. Wow. <laughs> a wow. lot of my clients, and, like, before we can even focus on the future, yeah. we have to understand what happened in the past of why we're doing wow. the things that we're doing, understanding our paradigms, understanding our habits, understanding the things that we accepted that we thought were normal, right? There's a lot of wow. um, inner wounds and traumas that we don't realize our behavior today is our trauma responses acting out. So, you know, instead of looking at surface level, digging deep and understanding why is yeah. always where I like to start, which I guess is why these conversations get deep. <laughs> and it's fantastic. And your platform lends itself to the deeper conversation. And honestly, you have given me another awakening moment, another aha moment where I was like, where I, you know, I know that obviously my journey is ongoing. I know mm -hmm. that there's still a part of this chapter that I need to actually just kind of slow down mm -hmm. and pour back into myself because all these years I've been pouring out to everyone. And I always say glass half full, you know, I've always liked that, but I'm forgetting that I need to fill the cup and drink out of it for myself. Too. Mm -hmm. I'm forgetting how thirsty I am mm -hmm. for deeper, meaningful conversation for the therapeutic moment so I can release what was mm -hmm. and allow what is to enter. And I've, I've been built to just kind of just, just kind of fly through it, you know? Yeah. You've been programmed to be a people me. pleaser. Absolutely. To be a people yeah. pleaser, to be, to, to persevere, to, you know, um, you know, kind of show society that against all odds, Look at me. I'm a survivor. I know you guys didn't bet on me, but I bet on myself. Like it's a constant battle and fight. I feel like my, and I'll say it, my four, I'm proud, my 40 years of life, I feel like every single one of those years has been a fight. Mm -hmm. And I know that this journey is not supposed to be easy. I know that this portion of our divine journey is supposed to be a major lesson. And mm -hmm. I feel like while I'm also pouring out, I'm learning so much. And it took me. 40 years to realize, you know, what is what I'm truly here for? What mm -hmm. is my divine soul, God given purpose? And I believe it's for more than one thing. And this moment on your podcast 
just gave me a goosebump worthy, but a very important moment where I was like, Patty, we need to have some self-talk. We need to talk to that inner PJ, the baby PJ, the adolescent, the young adult, you know, all the way to today's girl. And I need to have those conversations with myself Mm -hmm. in a safe space, like with a mindset coach like yourself or in a session, in many sessions of therapy. And I have many friends that are like, there was no shame in therapy. In fact, it has changed so many lives, but these are a lot of things we have to unlearn. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a safe space. We've been programmed in the black community, especially to have the stigma against therapy, especially Caribbeans, where anyone who has any mental health issues, where they're shunned upon or they're considered crazy or mad or any of the terms that they use and further victimize. What I've had to learn, and I've had nurses that have come on here and, and, and talked about the same thing, even women in ministry that have talked about the benefits of therapy, because because of that stigma, we've been afraid to openly talk about it. But therapy should right. be like an oil change for your car, where it's regular maintenance. It's not there because there's something wrong with you. You know, therapy gives you the tools to cope with your past. Many of us have had childhood wounds and childhood traumas that are the reason for our trauma responses today. Like when I'm I'm thinking again about your situation and how I was able to completely make it parallel to uh, an abusive relationship where even right now where you, you said, you know, it's time to fill up your cup. When someone comes out of an abusive relationship, they feel empty. They have to relearn themselves. They have to learn mm-hmm. to pour into themselves before they can pour into others. So part of your healing journey now is having those conversations with younger Patty, with younger Patricia, and letting that inner child know that she is loved, that she is valued, that she is worthy, that she is all the things that society or the abusers have tried to tell her that she is not. It's relearning to love yourself. It's relearning healthy boundaries. It's relearning to prioritize what's important to you. If you want to have babies, go and have five babies right now. It shouldn't stop your career. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it's important for the women that are listening you know, to hear that no matter what the circumstance is, you know, we are all more like than we are different, but no matter what the circumstance is, there, there is a solution. We are all on some form of a healing journey. So I would love if you could tell the ladies that are listening right now, like what advice you would give them or what advice would you give to a woman who's afraid to share her story right now? Well, ladies, all of your listeners, hear me loud and hear me proud. You must pour into you. Mm -hmm. you are in the longest relationship with yourself. That's your longest relationship. It's not that with your parent. It's not that with your significant other. It is not that with your child. The longest relationship you will ever have is the one with yourself. Mm -hmm. So we need to learn to continue to pour into ourselves. We need to learn to not be so hard on ourselves. We need to learn. And maybe I learned that today on this, Heal her podcast, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> we all, no matter what, need some healing because we've mm-hmm. all been through it. Yeah. Even the most privileged to the most underprivileged. We all have a story and our story is not of shame. Our story should be that of pride. Mm-hmm. We should be told and, you know, we should be inspired to share those stories. We need to remove stigma from others and onto others because I find a lot of people will kind of 
you know what, judge because maybe they say, oh, I don't like X, Y, Z in this person. But when you look internally, it's because you are projecting. Yes. Look into self and see what is missing in yourself and then look outside for inspiration. But remember, mm-hmm. you have to keep the relationship with self as your priority because it's the longest re- relationship you will ever have. Now that I'm on this, you know, next chapter of my life, I can't believe it. I'm like, why was I holding on to this <laughs> relationship again? Why was I doing that? <laughs> but you, you, you nailed it. You don't, you don't realize when you're so deep into it because that's just it. You're, you're so clouded. You feel like there's nothing else. There's no other way. If I walk away, I'm done. That's it. I'm finished. And I'm even thinking of like a relationship. I'm thinking of, you know, in in so many different circumstances, not even just career, in so many scenarios and circumstances, we are all like, if we walk away, then that is it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you, girl, I can't tell you that since I started sharing the story, and of course, at the beginning, it was hard. You have the naysayers, you have the ones that will come for you, you know, the little trolls, little demons that want to come to you and try to tell you what your story is, having not, Mm -hmm. having only read the headline and having Mm -hmm. not read the body of the text. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Basing an entire opinion off of the bolded headline in the major publications or not in, in, in any publications. I say, please dive into the story. Find your, find what gives you you know, that fortitude and that strength to be like, I am worthy, I am enough, and be unafraid to take that next step. And I know it might sound easier said than done, this and that and the other. There's not a day that I still don't hustle, girl. We all got Mm -hmm. our bills to pay. We all got things we got to do. And that's the thing with the livelihood, the impeding the livelihood of the of the freelancing. I could could not sit back and allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I felt like in that abusive relationship, I was like, no, no is the answer now. I am going to say yes to me and no to this because Mm -hmm. I am worthy. I am worthy of the yes. And I'm going to seek it where God has it waiting for me. I'm going to go and find where that yes is. And I originally thought it was there. And you know what it was. But that time, I think, expired. It did. Mm-hmm. And I think, truly, I'm going to hold firm in that. That time expired. Mm-hmm. That journey was finished. My lessons were learned. It is time to turn the page and move to the next chapter. And you know what? There's a reason why the book has a beginning, a middle, and an end. How does it all, you know, conclude? Well, you have to turn the page in order to get to the next chapter, to add yourself closer to the finale. And I know I'm not anywhere near that finale. None of us are in this journey that we're walking in. But babes, we got to turn the page because what's on the other side, oof, nothing, <laughs> short of, nothing short of miracles. I'm telling you, nothing short. And it's also a reflection of your hard work, what yeah. you've done for you and what you've poured into yourself. It's your karmic release, but also... Now you're getting your karma back. All the good that you put out is coming yeah. back to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I feel. That's where I feel I am right now. See, I, I think you're ahead of the game. One, because of your mom instilling in you, you know, from a young age, those affirmations of there are no no limits. But I think yeah. your mindset right now puts you ahead of a lot of people who are in a similar situation because you've built up your own network, your own audience. And I think- yeah. 
I think growing up, and and I'm gonna say this because I've had this own this aha moment recently, but growing up, we look at people on the TV or in the media or news or anything like that, and we have a perception of what their life is like, and we think that that's the route that we should you know entertain in order to get there. And right. I've been an entrepreneur pr- probably going on 13 years now or so, and learning that a lot of those platforms are not only stifled by people, you know, above sitting in an office chair, but a lot of the stories are written based on the perspective of that person. You know, sometimes it's, it's built to either skew or to get people to see things their way and understanding that there is another way. And that's why there are other journalists and and TV, TV personalities now creating their own platforms and taking advantage of, having their own podcast or YouTube channels or things like that, because traditional media has its own agenda. You know, I, I, I'm not in media, but I have friends that are in media and that phrase, if it, Mm -hmm. if it leads, it feeds or whatever that is. So being able to now utilize your own audience community platform that you've built over the years and creating your own, your own space to have your story told, other people's stories told. So there's no limitations on what it is that you're trying to do. Like I've been doing this podcast for, we celebrated our four-year anniversary in October. Wow. And just before, (laughs) thank you. And Uh and just before the four-year anniversary, there was a media platform that reached out that I guess they produce other platforms. They have their own channel. And we were in Mm -hmm. talks about me going under their wing. And it's run by males there are females in there but it's run by males and learning that they may not see the value in my show they may not see the value in us having these deep conversations and empowering each other through our stories they want you know the gossip and they want all the things that are in my opinion low vibrational so me being able to say you know what this is not for me it's okay I'm going to continue to be able to not have my voice stifled I'm going to continue to be able to amplify the voices of women like Patricia. I'm going to continue to allow everyone who is connected to this podcast, whether as a guest or a listener, to feel empowered because it's full transparency and full vulnerability without the narrative being directed by anyone outside that doesn't understand. So that is so powerful. I mean, see, you you know the power of your yes, but the power in the no, because sometimes you may say yes to what was meant, you know, just to be a little lesson. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just a little lesson to see, okay, now I'm going to dangle something into her face. Is she going to just say yes? And, and I'm not going to say it, you're not a sellout. You wouldn't be a sellout because it really looks like, <laughs> wow, what a, grand, what a grand opportunity. But girl, you are already the boss of your own world you are walking to the beat of your own drum and if you can continue to do that and you're doing it in a fruitful profitable great way and you're able to tell our stories without Mm -hmm. anyone putting their foot on your neck Mm -hmm. you gotta stay with that because i promise you what you're doing here is full of god's light Mm. and unfortunately some platforms I'll leave that for your listeners to figure out what those may be. <laughs> I think when you say that, you're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they don't really pour into what it is you and I are doing. Mm-hmm. And that is spreading the love and light, having these powerful conversations. You know, we have no one telling us, 
uh, don't ask these questions, only ask these questions, maybe mm-hmm. kind of divert the conversation this way, segue to that, this and the other. We're just having authentic, real talk. And the, this is where the world is moving. It is a moment of manifestation. It is a moment of awakening. And we keep mentioning the aha, but this is what's happening right now. A lot of people are waking up. They are finding the power in their voice and they are pouring into self. So I pat you on your back. I know that this is, uh, you know, virtual, but as you were talking, my hands were in the air and I was like, yes, girl, yes. You know, you knew, <laughs> the, you knew the power. That's the power. And I, that resonated with me and it will resonate with a lot of your listeners where it's like not just giving up all this hard work. I mean, four years is not a small amount of time mm-hmm. to build something this massive, this impressionable. This is a global platform. You are mm-hmm. reaching listeners that perhaps, you know, a little nice fancy contract may have impeded you, you know, mm-hmm. from continuing to reach further and, you know, global, global listeners. They, they, it may have impeded you or stopped you from continuing to tap into those listeners or some people who may only discover you after listening to this or maybe after the next one that you put up. But you're doing it. We mm-hmm. are doing it. Yes. So let's Thank stay you. on that, that be the path because it's already destined for us. Let's just keep listening to the 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 little the little ones in us, and also our our guardian angels, mm-hmm. and to the the master of all. Let's just listen to God, and He is guiding us. And you know those who those who know, they'll know. Yeah. What do they say? If you know, you know. If you know, right. you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying that. But the reason I share that story yeah. is like I believe you can create your own lane and you have a big enough community, a big enough audience, a big enough network to make a massive global impact without needing the two days a week from any traditional media platform. I I truly believe that you have everything you need inside of you to monetize what you already have so that you can be in control, so that you can work however many days a week works for you and so that you can have no cap on you know how much money you make or who you work with or who you interact with where you can actually create a contract and charge people extra for an exclusivity of anything even if if it's for a week oh, are you a psychic <laughs> she's a psychic yeah, she's a psychic she is a psychic <laughs> It is so wow. Like I am W-O-W over here because every single thing that you are saying mm-hmm. is the life I am now living. And we're only a month of my departure, just a little over a month since I left, not even CP24. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these are the things that have already been happening. I am already mm-hmm. creating space, creating contracts, brand ambassadorships. Uh, you know, I'm doing all of these things that I was doing, but also saying no to because I didn't want to, you know, piss off the broadcaster. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for me now. And I'm able to, if I want to work two days a week, if I want to work seven days a week, I'm able to pour into family. I'm able to, you know, give my price. And those people know my worth and value. And for those yeah. who don't, they don't. And for those who do, are we ever finding one another? Hey, hey guys, hey guys, hit me up. I'm available. <laughs> this is what I love to hear and I want the women that are listening to think about your scenario in all different areas of their life because when we walk away from toxic relationships you know when we're in it we may feel like there's nothing better out there for us that we can't do better that you know all the limiting beliefs that may be in that that the the I'm going to say that 
the toxic abuser wants you to believe so that you stay small. But when you realize your worth and you walk away from that, the blessings come, the opportunities come, the finances come, the resources come, the connections come. It, it's everything, far greater everything. than what you were. Yes, everything. Everything. Wow. Okay. So. <laughs> what, what, you, what you do is incredible. I, I, wanna, I just want to thank you so much for having me on the Heal Her podcast. There has been a moment of healing for me. There has been a moment of awakening for me. And, you know, this is why it is so important to continue to tell our stories, to remove the stigma and to remove the shame. Do not feel shame in telling your story. Your story is your story and is unique to you. I know there are more than 8 billion people on this earth, but believe it or not, we all have similarities we all have a story and a different mm -hmm. story to tell that you just never know. I hope some of your listeners will listen to this podcast and this authentic chat between you and I today and take some nuggets away. I like to call them PJ nuggets. Take some <laughs> PJ nuggets away with them. Store them, you know, store them in your purse or put them in your pockets and carry a little bit of that energy with you to allow you to spread your wings and, and truly fly and realize your worth, that you are truly worth it. You know what I mean? And yeah. in telling your story, how people will resonate, in telling your story, how you will give people strength to tell their story, and in telling your story, how you will change. So girl, I'm, I'm talking. I'm, right? I'm going to keep talking. It is, my, it is my human right to share my human rights, and it is my human rights in this tribunal. I'm, I'm, a, I'm before the Human Rights Tribunal, and what that means is that I can continue to share my story because it is my story to share. Yes. I love it. So I love it on so many different levels. And honestly, I Patricia, I want to thank you not only for, you know, giving us your time today, but giving us your energy because you didn't have to say yes. I want to thank you for your PJ nuggets. I want to thank you for <laughs> your aha moments. I honestly, I want to thank you for being brave enough to tell your story because it's, it's not easy always, um, especially when, you know, you're going up against someone, quote unquote, bigger. But it's important for us to stand up to bullies. It's important for us to stand up to toxic behavior and to hold people accountable. So thank you for your courage and your vulnerability. Oh, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I just I just hope that your listeners really love this uh, this chat. I had such a nice time with you. And Woo, we're one minute and 22 minutes. One, one hour and 22 minutes in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, our episodes are normally 45 minutes, but we got deep. So I, I didn't want to cut us <laughs> off in the middle of our deepness. <laughs> no, but, but honestly, I want to thank you for the safe space as well. I feel, I feel really safe in this space. And I feel that I could truly just, uh, you know, just share. And I'm, I just feel like I can see because I, you know, I'm in television. So I feel like I can see your listeners and mm -hmm. I just, I can envision them in their homes and their cars and they're listening to this and I can just see their faces lighting up. I can see a little tear dropping down. I can see mm -hmm. smiles. I can see anger. I can see passion. And if you're feeling this today, please take that and, and, and push that forward, pay that forward to the next person in your life. And if you learn anything today, take a PJ nugget and share it with the next. Please do, because we're all in this together. We're not alone. Yes, yes. I want to challenge them to share this episode with at least five people. 
you know, feel free to share it on social media. You can tag Patricia and I, you can tag Patricia on Instagram at Patricia underscore J. You can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith. And honestly, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts with your aha moment, your your PJ nugget. We want to hear it. We love to hear from you. And honestly, I, again, Patricia, want to thank you. And if there is any way that I could be of value to anything that you are doing, I'd be more than happy to help. Thank you, Mikita. You are such a light and I thank you and keep on going, girl. This is an incredible platform. And I might reach out because Girls looking for some therapy. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> God, God bless you always. And keep on sharing your light. And, and thank you for uh, creating a space where I could continue to share my story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.